0: Hey you, good morning. Welcome to the papers for Tuesday the 5th of December 2023. Not as cold in Salford, not as cold. Mild this morning, but wet and very grim. That's how it is here. In any case, I hope you're in good form this Tuesday. Let's go straight to the front pages of the newspapers here in the UK. Dominated by James Cleverly, the Home Secretary and his plan to bring down immigration numbers here in the UK. We'll talk a little bit about it in a moment. Financial Times headline, Cleverly Plans Tougher Wage and Visa Rules in Bid to Get Grip on Immigration. Yes, he will raise the pay threshold for skilled workers. They will need to earn at least £38,700 in order to obtain a visa. And that's up from £26,200. And he plans to ban care workers from bringing in dependents. So if you travel to the UK to work in the care sector, you won't be allowed to bring your family with you. More on this in a moment. This is a bid by Cleverly to, if you believe the papers anyway, to appease the more right-wing backbenchers. In Westminster, okay, the Daily Express, West uh, right-wing Tory MPs. Daily Express, tougher rules will slash migration by three hundred thousand. So he wants to bring the number down by three hundred thousand. Enough is enough, is a, a quote being attributed to James Cleverly. The Daily Telegraph, migrant curbs to cut arrivals by quarter. The Telegraph, observing his plans saying that, again, it's designed to head off a revolt by right-wing Tory MPs who are fed up of the record migration numbers. The Telegraph says, cleverly, will fly to Rwanda to sign a new treaty to secure flights of illegal migrants to the East African nation. Kigali is the capital, isn't it? The paper is reporting on the front page also a uh, story of a 19-year-old British-Israeli lad called Benjamin Needham, who has uh, died, he's been killed, fighting for the Israel Defence Forces. That's the front page of the Telegraph. The Daily Mail, biggest ever clampdown, will slash migration by 300,000. So you get the picture. As I said, the papers dominated at least the front pages by this story. Like the Times. Let's look at the Times. Five-point plan to cut migration. But also on the front page of the Times, and we will talk about this in a few minutes. Don't panic, but stock up on candles, batteries, and torches. What's that all about? I'll tell you in a few minutes. It also says you've got to get um, wind-up radios. Wind-up radios. Yeah. What's it about? Well, We'll have a look in a moment. The Sun, access denied, is the headline, in the shape of a stamp, like you'd have a passport stamped at immigration, access denied. Again, slashing immigration by 300,000. The Guardian, Sellafield nuclear site hacked by groups linked to Russia and China. So The Guardian alleges that the Sellafield nuclear plant has been hacked into by cyber groups with links to Russia and China breaches going back as far as 2015, according to the Guardian investigation. The government says it had a high degree of confidence, or it has a high degree of confidence, and that there was no malware in its system. So there you are. That's interesting, isn't it? nuclear power. Okay, the eye paper. Pollute if you want to. Toothless sewage watchdog fails to visit 90% of toxic spills. What's that about? Well, the eye is reporting on the Environment Agency inspecting only 10% of water pollution incidents last year, with inspectors visiting only 35% of the most serious incidents. Campaigners tell the iPaper they have struggled to receive a response to complaints. That's pretty shocking, isn't it? The Daily Mirror, Farage makes you kip, is the headline. Farage makes you kip. They're basically declaring the I'm a celebrity, get me out of your reality TV show, to be a bit of a snooze fest. The Mirror claims ITV bosses are in despair trying to find fun footage of Nigel Farage, the ex-UKIP leader, during his stint on the show. And the Daily Star then, to finish with the front pages, a nasty case of the asteroids is the headline. The Star has a mock-up on the front page of a flaming asteroid appearing to head for planet Earth. It's also... Mischievously on the same little cartoon mock up, it has a couple of um, images of flying saucers. So the star re- says that NASA is monitoring up to 20,000 asteroids which have the potential to destroy Earth or at least cause a quote, nasty problem. <laughs> there you go. Those were the front pages of the UK daily newspapers. This Tuesday, the 5th of November 2023. Let's have a look inside. Now this is a bit bombshell, this. I've tweeted this out. By the way, it's 12 minutes past 7 as I record this podcast, The Papers. Listen to this. Traders with prior knowledge, Telegraph, Traders with prior knowledge of Hamas attacks made millions shorting Israel Claims report. That is a very serious headline. So let's read it again. Traders with prior knowledge of Hamas attacks made millions shorting Israel. Claims report. What kind of fuckery is this? Amy, you're only allowed on the Richie Allen show. This is the papers. We can't have that. That's bombshell, isn't it? Let's read some of it. Investors with prior knowledge of the October the seventh Hamas massacre earned at least tens of millions of pounds short-selling Israeli stocks in the days before, according to a report. Tens of millions of pounds short-selling Israeli stock in the days before, according to a report. Traders with potential links to Hamas, this made me laugh out loud. Of course, they would have to say the traders had potential links to Hamas, but um, did they have any... Links to the Israeli government? We'll come back to that. So traders put huge bets against the Israeli economy in the run-up to the attack and could have made more than $100 million, said the 60-page study by Robert Jackson Jr. of New York University School of Law and Joshua Mitts of Columbia Law School. While the report did not name the investors, why not? I wish it had. I'd love to know. And by the way, the Richie Allen Show has already emailed Robert Jackson Jr. and Joshua Mitts to ask for the names of the traders, because I'd fucking love to know. We'll come back to it, right? Because I've suspected, and I've said as much in the Richie Allen Show, that the six-hour failure, the failure of the Israeli authorities to uh, respond to the October 7th attack, it took them six hours. That stinks to high heaven. And understandably, some Israelis, this isn't coming from conspiracy researchers, Israeli men and women are demanding to know what happened on October 7th and if there was some sort of stand-down order, if there was some foreknowledge of it by the Israeli authorities and they decided to let it happen. Don't think or imagine that the Israeli government is the friend of the Israeli people. It isn't. We saw this during COVID. Demonic entities run governments, don't they, in 2023 and since time immemorial. So what happened? They didn't name the investors. The report said they were understood to be informed traders anticipating and profiting from the Hamas attack. Mitz told The Telegraph, that's Josh Mitz from Colombia, It's not inconceivable that the profits are above $100 million based on the inferences from the current evidence. The shorts were unusual as they occurred during the Jewish holiday of Sukkot, a very quiet period in Israel, in terms of news and financial activity. Yeah. Israeli financial authorities said they launched an investigation into the report, which also noted suspicious trading activity on the US Stock Exchange shortly before the massacre. And short selling is basically making a bet that a stock is going to fall. You borrow a share, you sell it in the hope that the share price falls, and later on you can buy it back at a cheaper price. You pocket the difference. The report's author said days before the attack, traders appeared to anticipate the events to come. Do not hold your breath. Do not hold your breath in anticipation there will be a fair, thorough and objective investigation, my friend, listening to the papers. That's you I'm talking to. Because there won't be. There just will not be. Or if there is, they, it'll be an absolute obfuscation, and in the end they'll make some conclusion that it must have been people connected to Hamas or the Palestinian Authority. Sickens me this. Sickens my shit. Echoes of 9-11, remember? Remember, back in 2006, the Journal of Business published an article saying that there was statistical evidence of unusual put-option market activity days before 9-11, people making massive bets that stocks of American Airlines and stock in United Airlines would plummet. People making enormous amounts of money happened before September the 11th. And speaking to the 9-11 Commission in 2003, Mindy Kleinberg of the 9-11 Family Steering Committee said, and I quote, Never before on the Chicago Exchange were such large amounts of United and American Airlines options traded. These investors netted a profit of at least $5 million after the 9-11 attacks. Interestingly, the names of the investors remain undisclosed. Yeah. Because we couldn't, you know, God forbid that we find out the names of those investors and if they turn out to be very high-powered American businessmen and women or high-profile people in the Bush administration. God forbid we find that out. And that's the thing. You look at the October the 7th attack and you ask, Cui Bono, who benefits? Well, Gaza didn't benefit. The people of Gaza, the Palestinians didn't benefit, really. Yeah... Oh, we'll have to talk about this a bit later on, on the Richie Allen Show. Bombshell stuff, yeah. Who knew in advance what was going to happen and then decided they'd make a few bucks on it? They'll blame people linked to Hamas, but they'll never name them. God, we live in a cesspool, don't we? Let's look inside the Times. Headline, Boris Johnson to give COVID Inquiry his reasons for lockdown delay. The COVID Inquiry, which is a monumental which is monumental bollocks. Well, it just trundles on doctor after scientific advisor after a politician appear at the inquiry, which is one massive whitewash. It is not dealing with whether or not lockdown was justifiable, whether or not imposing mask wearing and social distancing on people, compelling people to close their businesses. It's not dealing with any of that. It is taken as a given that it was the right thing to do. They're not looking into it. It's a, we should have locked down sooner. Why didn't you lock down sooner? Well, we were arguing and people were calling each other names on WhatsApp and Matt Hancock is a liar. It's all of that shit. That's what it is. And Johnson's expected to give, well, he will give testimony to this inquiry this week. And he's uh, going to say that he delayed implementing lockdown number one in March 2020 on the advice of England's Chief Medical Officer, Chris Whitty because they were concerned, or Witty was concerned, that people would bore of the restrictions and flout the rules. The COVID inquiry is a disgrace, isn't it, really? You know, one or two people like Carl Hennigan, Oxford University guy who's also a GP, he is tearing his hair out at this, that they're not looking into the methodology. How did you conclude it was right to lock down? What was the evidence supporting the decision to plunge the country into lockdown. None of that is up for discussion. Let's look inside the Guardian. Israel is warned on civilian impact as IDF pushes further into southern Gaza. Israel is run by Nazis. And those Nazis are run by Nazis. Genocide is all the rage in Gaza now. Flee to the south, they said. The Palestinians fled to the south and they were bombed when they got there. They're being bombed on the road. Sky News is running a report this morning with video evidence showing the IDF shooting at journalists and at women and children near Khan Eunice. It is, again, I hate to use the same terms over and over, but I can't think of any better terms. It is demonic. Philippe Lazzarini, who heads the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees in Gaza, which is the UNRWA, said last night, the expansion of military operations in southern Gaza was repeating horrors from the last weeks by displacing people who had already been displaced, overcrowding hospitals and further strangling the humanitarian operation due to limited supplies. The Israeli government is attempting to wipe out the Palestinian people. That is the objective, to kill them to finish them once and for all and to leave nothing left in Gaza where people could build a life or rebuild or start again. That is what is happening. Go to the south, to Khan Eunice. Now, get out of there because we're going to bomb that place as well. Yeah, Demonic doesn't even cut it really. It's hateful, it's horrible. And of course it could all end in the blink of an eye if the international community sanctioned Israel back to the Stone Age. And let me repeat again, Sky News is reporting this morning that it has evidence of the Israeli Defence Force firing on journalists and women and children. Expel every ambassador out of every country, freeze every Israeli asset in every corner of planet Earth, starve the country, ban its exports, punish it severely, send a United Nations peacekeeping force into Gaza. Get a no fucking fly zone over the region and shoot down Israeli jets if they dare take the disguise. That's how you do it. That is how you would do it. Get a no fly zone in there. Get international. Get in, get an international coalition to put its own planes in the sky and to tell Israel no more. Do you bomb men, women, and children? No more do you tell them to get out of their own country, and then bomb them, as they are doing that very thing. That's what should happen. Get planes in the sky, get a peacekeeping force in there, sanction that wretched, rotten, illegitimate fucking country back to the Stone Age, is what should happen, and it should happen now. But it won't happen now. Because Israel has its puppets in every government, in every country, on this fucking God-forsaken Earth. That's why. Conservative Friends of Israel, Labour Friends of Israel, the pact in America. You know, gotta sign the pact. Can't do anything unless you swear allegiance to Israel. It's fucking barbaric, isn't it? I'm sorry. I know you're listening to this on your way to work. You're probably fed up anyway. It's rotten what's going on there. And most people don't give a shit. Let's leave it for now. friend of mine once said, familiarity breeds content. And she said it in the context of looking after our elderly people when you can't look after them at home. We sometimes judge people who put mum and dad or granddad or granny into a care home. We judge them because that is one of our human failings, isn't it? To judge people without having walked a mile in their shoes. Sometimes people have to be put in care, because you can't, you don't have the facilities, you don't have the skill set to meet their needs. I'm thinking of people with debilitating illnesses like dementia, so they have to go into a care home. And you'd you'd imagine, you'd want them, you'd want them to have, you'd want them to be as comfortable as as is humanly possible in the care home that they arrive at, where they will be cared for by loving people, by skilled people who are skilled and trained and who have that thing that not everybody has in them, that tendency to to, to compassion and love, even for perfect strangers. Think back to people I met over the years, women I met over the years when I was younger, who worked with people with very severe disabilities, mental and otherwise, and their compassion, and their love, and their kindness. There are people who have these skills, vocational, right? But we don't send people to care homes like, like those. Increasingly, people go to care homes, and they are surrounded by people who can barely speak to Queen's English. Here's a horrible story in the mail. It's a mail exclusive. Care home staff who barely spoke English and couldn't tell emergency staff what had happened to a dementia sufferer who got trapped under a stairlift, then called the tragic woman's daughter and simply announced, your mother is dead. A 91-year-old lady was trapped under a stairlift. The people looking after her at Ashley House Residential Home in Somerset could barely speak English. It was like they'd only gotten off the boat. So when they rang the emergency number, they couldn't really explain to the dispatch person on the end of the phone, what's going on? The woman died as a result of this, and then the people rang the woman's daughter, their English hadn't improved in the 10 minutes in, in, in between, and simply told her on the line, your mother is dead. I and mean, this is shocking, isn't it? It's shocking. And this woman has given an exclusive interview. The daughter, Barbara Roymel, has given an exclusive interview to um, Excuse me, Barbara is the name of the lady who passed away. Her daughter has given an exclusive interview to the Daily Mail and said that this is basically untenable what happened. You know? Uh, a Romanian and an Indian person, unable to explain to the emergency service what had happened to poor Barbara and didn't understand the difference between Barbara being alive or alert. Her daughter is Elaine. She told the Mail staff were unable to communicate what had happened to horror, after her mother had passed away. Didn't speak good English. Your mother's dead, that's it. Imagine condemning your mother or your father to that. And again, I'm not judging. There are circumstances where you can't cope and can't care for your senior relative and they need to go into a home. But is that what they should expect, really? Is that what they should expect when they get to a home? That's why my old pal said to me familiarity breeds content shouldn't they be surrounded by british people qualified people who are paid properly by the way people with a with a tendency people with a with a real uh i wouldn't say flair but a real ability to look after people when they're coming to the end of their life you know and to to cope with the problems that go along with that. You know, the difficulty of dealing with people with dementia. It's amazing, really, you know. And they want to allow, they they want to fill the care homes in this country with foreign workers. It's insane. Instead of paying people properly, and implementing serious training programs to identify those who are suitable for this kind of work, and then to, to cultivate them to 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 I don't want to say groom them, it's a terrible term groom. But you know what I mean, right? A senior coroner has since issued a warning about the inability of foreign health staff to speak English after hearing how carers looking after Mrs. Rymel didn't know the difference between bleeding and breathing. The coroner said their lack of English severely hampered the coal handler's response And made a meaningful assessment of her condition virtually impossible. But what's lost in the article is the day to day treatment of Barbara. Trying to, I mean, dealing with dementia and trying to make herself understood to care workers who don't speak English, who don't sound like her, and who don't look like her. Familiarity breeds content. We're going to finish with this. Excuse me, I'm a bit bit sniffly this morning. We're going to finish with this. It's in the Times. Um, Stock up on battery devices in case of grid meltdown, Britain's told. This is interesting in light of my conversation with Melissa Shumay on the Richie Allen Show last night. Very interesting, right? People must buy battery-powered radios, torches and candles to boost their personal resilience in the event of a national crisis wiping out digital network or power supplies the government has said. Bit of fear-mongering here. Oliver Dowden, the Deputy Prime Minister, is given the first of what will be an annual update to MPs on the government's national risk and resilience strategy. Guidance to be issued next year will help people to prepare for different emergencies. Dowden said that members of the public needed to be more personally resilient, as he suggested they've become too reliant on devices powered by the internet. An internet outage, imagine. A new resilience website will contain advice on how people can ensure they are prepared for being left without power for the gadgets they rely on for communication and will also cover tips for protecting against other risks like phishing attacks from scam emails or texts. Dowden said it would help for the population to be temporarily sent back to an analogue era where modern technology is disabled by power cuts caused by cyber attacks, terror attacks, flooding, or other climate-related emergencies. Dowden said it would help for the population to be temporarily sent back to an analogue era. Really? What does he know, Dowden? Or what has he been told about what might be coming? A temporary setback. Sent back to an analogue era. Where you don't have any internet. Hmm. This follows, says the Times the publication of a list of 89 possible threats earlier this year that would have a significant impact on the UK's safety, security or critical systems at a national level. This includes risks like a disruption to Britain's energy supply, similar to that caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, malicious uses of drones to disrupt transport and other critical operations or even threats to undersea transatlantic telecommunication telecommunication cables, a threat to undersea transatlantic telecommunication cables. Dowden said building people's resilience was essential because, wait, it could be tomorrow that one of these things hits. What does Oliver Dowden know about what might be coming in the next 12 to 24 months, I wonder? You've been listening to the papers with a stuffed up and bunged up BBG I'm live at 4 o'clock with Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. Sandy Adams is among the guests. Very interesting today. Until then, you enjoy your Tuesday. Speak later. Bye for now.